Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Today, we're going to talk about the other side of hiring. Um, you hear a lot about you know, how to vet people and make the right decisions and all that, but you don't hear so much about uh, once you decide who you want to hire, how do you actually get them to accept? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before that, let's give some updates on our businesses. So hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. What's going on, Rick? Uh, this this week's um, been kind of crazy. Uh, we had a board. We have a board meeting on Monday for Pando Labs, which is the one of Group Current's customers. And so I spent this week doing some some board prep, uh, which basically means having a you know having a board meetings, kind of mini board meetings before the board meetings to make sure everyone's prepped um, and on the like same page. Like one-on-one with the, the directors? Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes with the director, sometimes with the chairman, sometimes just with my partner. And uh, mm-hmm. just because so, you have this one and a half hours where people who don't talk to each other regularly come together and you have so much usually to get done in that one and a half hour uh, that if you you know, are prepared, it could go twice as long, which I hate, or, uh, you know, you don't get done what you need to get done. Yeah. It's funny. I just sat in a, uh, presentation earlier today on how to, how to run board meetings properly. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Most of the, similar to the topic today, most of the, you know, the board meeting success is based on the prep work. Mm -hmm. What goes into the, you know, before the board meeting. Mm -hmm. Are you the one running it? Like, are you the, the head honcho there? No, uh, uh, we have a chairman and they're the, they're technically the person who runs officially the person who runs the meeting group current is being contracted to provide the administrative services, uh, which includes running the board meeting. So a lot of that gets transferred through the contractual relationship to, to, to group current and then through group current to me. Gotcha. Um, but, but it's, I, I, we, I think as more people get on the same page, we're going to see that the board members take a more active role in, you know, managing the community. But yeah, that's that. So that just, that's just a lot of people management, but like indirectly, you know, it takes a lot of brain power to be thoughtful about words. Um, and just, you know, be, it takes mental and emotional, uh, energy to, to get through that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other thing I'm really working on uh, following up on our conversation from last week is I've uh, started scoping my MVPs and evaluating stacks. And man, since I looked at this snow code stuff six months ago, it's come such a long way. Hmm. I can't believe how how much uh, you can do now. There's Webflow isn't the only way to you know build a website. There are a couple of different now tools uh, that that you know, you should check if you're interested in doing no code, you should check out. Um, I, I joined this community called MakerPad. by, uh, it's run by a game. I don't know how to say his last name, but his name, first name's Ben. Um, but, uh, I highly recommend checking out it's a ton of resources. I, uh, I, and it's worth, I just, I felt bad just looking at all this stuff and not, you know, paying anything. So I, <laughs> I just, I, I signed up to pay a couple of nights ago. Cool. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I don't know that I have a prediction on like, will no code actually replace a decent amount of the need to write code in the future, but it's great that at the very least for prototyping and stuff like that, it's there and Hey, maybe it'll, maybe uh, people like me will be out of a job soon. Who knows? <laughs> oh no. I think this is for cred apps. And uh, once you get past, uh, you know, the create read update, delete functions and you get into more sophisticated things, I think they fall flat. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, for what about me, you? Yeah. So uh, I met, I referenced I was at this talk earlier today. I actually spent the whole day until right now at this thing called the Arch Grants Founders Summit. Uh, so Arch Grants is a startup uh, grant contest thing that we won back in 2014 here in St. Louis. So they just give you fifty thousand uh, dollars as long as you're in St. Louis. Um, so this is the first time they've done this. I, th- I think it's really cool to like, there were 90 basically founders of different startups there and no one else. So no, like normally when you go to a networking or a startup type event, it's a bunch of investors and accountants and lawyers. And this was just founders, um, which I think is cool. Uh, so anyway, just kind of sat in random talks and all that. I'm terrible at networking, so I didn't meet anyone, but that's to be expected. Is this like an annual thing? I think the idea is that this is the first time they've ever done it, but the they announce who the winners of this for this year's Arch Grants are going to be on Friday. So the idea is they get everyone here and then they have this big gala thing that I'm not going to, but someone else from my company is on Friday. <laughs> I can guess who. You can. The guy who wears a suit, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and what, what else is going on? Uh, and then, yeah, aside from that, like I mentioned last week, lots of uh, like recruiting type of interviews going on. Um, so we're making progress on that. And that's kind of going to be part of the topic today. But just like setting aside what we're going to talk about is the deep dive. Um, we a while back, I don't know, a, a month or two, probably a couple months ago, we talked about recruiting diversity in internships. And one of the things is going to other schools. And the end of that podcast was a little like, well, I I don't know how to get this to work, but it's actually working pretty well. Um, We've got a lot of really strong candidates from the non, like there's kind of the best school in St. Louis that's like elite private. And that's all we've ever been able to recruit from. And this year we actually have a lot of really good candidates from the other schools. That's terrific. Yeah. What's different? Yeah, that's a good question. I, part of it, uh, we did raise what, the amount that we pay interns this year from 2,100 to 3,000 a month. Um, and it's possible we we crossed some threshold where before it was like get underpaid for experience, which is not a trade off that people who don't have a financial safety net can can do. Maybe at 3,000 a month, it's just like, this is a good job. Even if this isn't good experience, I'll just take the money. That might be part of it. Yeah, you cross the threshold economically. Yeah. Interesting. Are you going to do, have you done any, are you going to do anything to validate that assumption or Um, learn more? It's a good question. Probably not. I I mean, as long as it's, I think we're going to try to build off of it for sure. I I don't think it necessarily matters if what I just said is true or not, but we're going to try to do is make sure we hire some of these people and then use that as a kind of stepping stone to get our hooks into those schools a little bit more in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Cool. Thanks. Um, so yeah, uh, speaking of of recruiting and stuff like that, so uh, we're you know we're kind of normally we have some kind of phone screen and then an in person interview and then we give offers. We're kind of in that in person round uh, right now. We're starting in person interviews, which means pretty soon we'll be giving offers. So the topic for today is basically flipping interview advice on its head and saying like normally it's assuming that the company is in the driver's seat and has all the power. And what what I want to talk about today is like, after you get to the point where you know you want someone, what are the, well, or before that point, but what can you do to like really maximize the odds of someone actually accepting one of these offers? So we have uh, Coding Fellow, uh, which is where we teach people to code. We have two different internships and we have a full-time position we're recruiting for right now. And I just want to, it really, really sucks when you find the perfect person, you give them the offer and they decline. So I just want to avoid that if I can. 
Yeah, well, I, I before the show, I <clears throat> excuse me. Before the show, I asked you, I think, uh, what what your acceptance rate was currently. Mm-hmm. Can you share that? Yeah, I, I, this is kind of back in the napkin because uh, we we don't have like a real applicant tracking system for this, but uh, I, I would guess it's about seventy five percent probably say yes, and twenty five percent decline would be my guess. So M- more people pro- decline earlier, but I'd say when if we give an offer. Like some people bow out of the process before this, but if we give an offer, I'd say we have about 75%. Cool. And and so it sounds like what you want to focus on is how to increase that 75% uh, yeah, to a rate. Absolutely. And and I think there's other benefits to this too. It's sort of like the way a good sales process for a company is going to lead to better customer attention also. Like this is the first impression for a recruit and we want that, to, we want to build momentum that carries all the way through to after they start. Okay. All right. And what, what, uh, well, I guess like what would be success for this conversation? Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I'm looking for, I think, I mean, ultimately the vague version of this is I just want to get people to actually say yes when I give them job offers. Specifically, I think I'd love a couple tangible takeaways or, or not even just like ideas. I feel this is like a brainstorming thing where it's like, maybe we can come up with five or 10 things I can try and maybe I'll ac- actually try three of them and one of them will work. But things I can actually do to just, you know, do more than whatever I'm doing now, which might be in some ways the bare minimum to get people to say yes. Well, can you talk about what you're doing now? Yeah. And I, I'm inclined to break this into two categories. One is like, what's the whole interview process? Because that's leaving an impression on the person. And then there's like the actual offer itself. I'm probably really bad at the offer itself. That's probably like the low hanging fruit here, but I'm happy to start at the beginning if you think that'd be helpful. Totally up to you. We can dove in to, we can dive in right to the offer, how you're positioning that or we could mm-hmm. you could add context about how you're going about this. Um okay, let me add a little context, but let's start by talking about the offer just cuz I think there's the most opportunity to improve there. So, we have, you know, we go and recruit mostly at schools, but sometimes through LinkedIn or whatever other channel. Um and the the general process, it depends on the job, but it's something like a phone screen followed by, well sorry, they apply with a writing sample and a resume. We do a phone screen, then we bring them in for an in-person. The in-person interview is pretty long. And one of the reasons for that is it's like half us interviewing them, but half us trying to show them they would like it here, which is kind of easy for college students. Like with an adult, it's a little harder. Everyone wants different things. College students don't have a very refined idea of what they want. So we we like play a board game with them and give them free food. And they're like, oh, great. Um, but it's about a four-ish hour in, in person with about half of that being us trying to make them think it's a cool place to work. Then, so at, normally there's maybe, let's say, a week or two or three where we're finishing all those in-person interviews and we give the offer. What we do for that right now is I call them up. Um, I, w- one thing I'm interested in your thoughts on is, should it be me? Should it be the person's direct manager calling them? But I call them up. No one ever picks up their phone. Uh, So the options are leave a voicemail, a vague voicemail that's like, call me back or just give them the offer in the voicemail. I've dabbled with both. Right now, I'm of the opinion you leave the voicemail with the offer in it. And then we send them an email with like basically a one page offer letter that's pretty light on details, but it's like, here's your job. Here's a salary. Here's a start date, stuff like that. How many of them know the offer is coming before it comes? Uh, The phone offer or the official nobody knows the phone offer like i just call them that's the first 
touch point. And, and you don't send the written until they respond to the phone call. Um, okay, so we've done different things here. What we used to do is say, I need to have a personal conversation with them. So I would leave a voicemail that's like, this is Tyler from Less Annoying Serum. Give me a call back. Then I'd talk to them. Then we'd send it. I listened to a podcast called Manager Tools where they were like, this is stupid. Why not just leave? The-? Like, to you, this seems normal. To you, the CEO. But like, to the candidate, even though it should be obvious to them they're about to get an offer, they they think the worst. And they're like stressed out and nervous about this call. Um, so they say, just leave the voicemail saying, I want to give you the offer and then send the email. Interesting. So I've started doing that. Okay, cool. So, so I both, both cases, they don't, they don't know it's coming unless I listen to the voicemail before I happen to listen to the voicemail that you left before the email arrives in their inbox and they read it. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So, uh, what you mentioned 75% acceptance rate, that means 25% are telling, you no. do you have a good idea of what, why those people are saying no? Probably not. Um, I mean, I, I, I have anecdotes. I don't think I, these are mostly college students. Um, so they're, it's normally that they're applying for multiple internships and they're accepting a different one. Um, what's the reason for them accepting a different one? I I don't know the answer to that. Um, one, one quick thing I would, I would do if I were you, this may not be Tyler style, but (laughs) I I would ask, start asking, you know, when someone says no, why, Mm-hmm. why they're saying no, that might lead to some really quick problems you could solve. Um, some of them, you know, I would look at this from two lenses. One's like, you know, there's controllable mm-hmm. uh, rejections and what, and, and that means, Hey, this is some, there's something less annoying CRM could have done to change this outcome. And then there's uncontrollable outcomes mm-hmm. uh, or decisions or no, rejections. And those are things that you didn't have control over. There's no way you could have changed it. And it'd be interesting to know, if, if five people said no, uh, how many of those one are controllable that you could have actually done something about? And then what, you know, within that, what are the specific reasons, uh, why? Yeah. And I I like this also, even if it's uncontrollable, that doesn't mean there's no action I could have taken. So for example, I know one person, this has happened several times, but one is vivid to me, uh, that they declined just because they wanted to spend summer in their hometown. And we probably could have figured that out earlier in the interview process and just stopped interviewing them because they were never going to accept anyway. So it was uncontrollable, but still would have been useful information. And I would say it's only uncontrollable if you wouldn't have allowed, that, allowed them to work remotely. Right, which we're not going to for an intern. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> uncontrollable. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So uncontrollable, yeah. but I can control not interviewing them in the first place is what I Yeah. Like, like especially if, if that, that was predetermined, like better qualification would have saved you some time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, th- that's that's easy enough to do to start asking for feedback. I've, I've also kind of considered asking for feedback from the people who say yes, um, which we do once the summer starts, but I kind of get the feeling they've forgotten everything by then. Totally. And I, I, I think this is true of pretty much any win-loss decision, whether you're applying this to recruiting and making an offer to a, a candidate or a sales funnel or a renewal of an existing mm-hmm. product. Too many companies just focus on why did you leave? Why did you say no? When there's a really great insight in why did you say yes? Um, at, at People Keep, we actually, it took me forever to figure this out, but we finally, uh, and I don't even think I was the one who figured it out. One of our sales team leads said, hey, why don't we start asking mm-hmm. information on 
you know, why, you know, why this company decided to move forward with people keep. And that's some of the best insights as to like the, the key value propositions that you need to, you know, focus on more. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, just to, to close the loop on what I said about people forgetting, I, I do think there's like timing matters a lot here with you're talking about asking customers for feedback. Sometimes we have the problem where we do that right after they pay us and they're like, I'm, I'm still so new. I can't give you any. But the reverse can happen where it's like, it's been too long and I don't remember. So so catching someone at the right moment where it's fresh in their mind is probably pretty important here. Yeah. Timing of survey of, of any kind makes a big difference in the responses. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So probably just getting more feedback from everybody. That's not like, that's a second order op- action in the sense of like, then I have to take that information and do something with it. But that that sounds like a tangible step I can take. Now, and this is... Like if I were you, I would end the conversation right now and that'd be the only thing I focused on because at the end of the day, like we're going to throw out ideas and we don't know if any of these are actually do anything. So there's kind of two mm-hmm. approaches. One, you can fo- figure out the problem first and then get, you know, focused on a solution that could try solutions to that problem, or you could just try things and see if it increases the rate. Uh, yeah. The hard thing is the sample size is low enough that I can't really like run an AB test here. And so there might be one or two people who decline an offer this this whole year potentially so like i i that could be useful information but i don't want to base my entire plan on that like i need some intuition here also how often are you surprised uh maybe this is a better question given the small sample size how often are you surprised when someone says no um sometimes there are some people who we know they're a long shot and it's not a surprise at all. But there are other times, especially with the coding fellowship, which coding fellowship's an amazing deal. Like we're effectively paying them to learn and not even work for us. Um, we've had a couple of people decline that where I'm just like, what in the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> uh, so I've, I've been surprised before. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like, like the surprising ones are the ones that you probably don't want to be surprised about anymore or you want to save. Yeah, I if if I should have asked them what happened, but uh, without that information, it's hard to know. Like, would that have been something I could have uncovered in advance or not? Well, let's. Uh, maybe we can talk about what you're doing when you make the offer. And mm-hmm. give give tell me um, tell me kind of how you think about the offer in terms of maximizing the acceptance rate. Because I'm assuming once you're making it, you don't get to the offer stage unless you're super like I I want this person. And you're trying to put, I'm assuming you're putting your best offer forward right now. Yeah. Well, even if you're in the middle, if you're like, I'm a little so-so on this person, but it's the best person we got in the pipeline. So I'm going to, you still have to, there's no reason to communicate that to them, right? You should be like, I think you're a perfect fit. Like this is going to be, because you either want them to say yes or you don't. If you, and if they don't, then you don't make an offer. Right, exactly. So yes, I'm absolutely trying to do this. Now, I think this is a big weakness of mine. And this is, this is true with management too. Um, I think I'm, there's a lot of ways in which I'm a kind boss, like flexibility and trust and all that, but I'm not a particularly effusive person. Um, and I'm, effusive. I think effusive, like, like really like wearing my emotions on a sleeve on my sleeve and being like, Oh, you're like really communicative about how excited I am and stuff. I'm a little more reserved. You know this about me. Um, this is probably, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know why I'm, talking to you about this because I think I already know the answer, which is like, I need to figure out a way to like communicate better how excited I am. Because I call, I leave a voicemail and basically it goes like this. Hey, so-and-so, uh, this is Tyler from Less Annoying CRM. Just wanted to let you know, 
like we, we were really impressed by you. Think you'd be a great member of the team. I'd, I'd really love to work with you. Emily's going to send you an offer letter. If you have any questions, let me know. Bye. And does anyone else reach out to the person and say, congrats on the offer? We're excited to have you. Uh, no, I mean, Emily, the uh, the recruiting person does, but th- that's an interesting point. So you mean like other people who would be on that person's team being like. Well, you got yeah. a bunch of people who are involved in the hiring process from what you said earlier. Yeah, about eight people will talk to somebody during the interview. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hearing from, it seems like hearing from those eight people might be a good try at least to see if that yeah, yeah. increases. That's uh, <laughs> obvious, but I've never tried that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about like, like how to make that person feel like they're desired and there's genuine excitement about mm-hmm. them saying yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so like, so that's one category here. I, yeah. One is, um, one, one is have multiple people reach out saying congrats and, and please join us. And if mm-hmm. you have concerns, let us address them. You know? Yeah, and I've I've done okay. So we mostly hire interns and occasionally hire full timers outright. There, there have been times with full timers where we'll say like after the offer, can the people who will be on your team take you out to dinner and kind of schmooze you a little? We don't do that with interns because it's just I mean partially it's expensive, but honestly it's more that the interns think they don't have time for it. They're like, oh, I have an exam tomorrow or whatever. Um, but okay, so. The, but that could be done over email or phone instead, I guess, is what yep. you're saying. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, within that category, there's a lot of ideas. I mean, you could say, hey, let's go grab a beer. You know, let's, let's you know, come play another game and talk about the offer. Um, mm-hmm. That leads me to another idea, which is, I don't know if this is, I, I haven't, I, I haven't tried this myself, but no, you know, have a kind of an internal rule of you won't make an offer unless it's in person. So maybe you... You say, hey, come, you know, you set up this, this final interview where they actually come to you or you meet them at a neutral site and you say, we'd like to make you an, here's the offer. We're really excited. And you actually do that in person. Interesting. I'm trying to think of the, have you done that before? No, I haven't. I, but I, I, I think I, so I have to disclaim a lot of my advice here. Most of my advice is based on my sales experience. Mm-hmm. I never, fo- one of my biggest regrets about my time, I, I never focused enough on recruiting. I always, I focused more inter- you know, on other things than who, who we were hiring, which was definitely a mistake. Um, so there, a lot of these things are, are things that I'm thinking of based on your situation mm-hmm. that I, that I could actually see myself doing going forward in my new ventures, but have I tried them? Most likely not. Because I think that idea, like my first reaction was, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. But right after that, I'm thinking logistics of it's hard enough to schedule like an in-person interview with them to to say we're going to do another one or like I wouldn't want to make them travel because I could see them resenting me for that. Like you made me drive all the way down here so that you could give me an offer. Um, so I'd want to go to them if we were going to do that, probably. But. The thing that this this podcast I was referencing earlier said that I, I thought was really interesting is they're like, there's the same dynamic when it's a boss and an employee at work. If if you're a boss, you should never slack someone and be like, hey, can you meet me in the conference room in five minutes? In your mind, you're like, I have a question I need to ask them. It's no big deal at all. But in their mind, they're like, this is it. I'm about to get fired. And I've had this before. <laughs> I, I, seriously, I've had this before where like I'll, I'll I'll say that to someone and they'll come in the conference room like sweaty and nervous. And I'm just like, hey, I was just wondering if 
like what's the status of that project? And so to me, it's no big deal, but to them it is. I what they were saying is that same dynamic applies to interviewing, and you don't want to leave them in suspense. I don't know if you buy that or not. That that feels right. Uh, I think creating a uncomfortable situation for anyone is <laughs> generally a bad idea. If you mm-hmm. like, so avoiding that. But I think there's. I don't think that that's mutually exclusive. I don't think that it excludes. You can have a situation that does leave them in suspense that leads to them getting an offer in person, and yeah. maybe that's just how you structure and explain your interview process up front. What? Yeah. Right now, right now you, you say either- the final. Right now, you say the final interview is this, and we're going to make a decision. You could say, "Hey, we, this is we have one more interview." Uh, so then you're kind of lying. A li- you're either misleading them, you're leaving it super vague, or you're doing something to communicate. You know, you're getting an offer here. Well, the thing that actually causes suspense with most people is the truth. That's what's so crazy about this whole <laughs> thing. So, like, what the one? If you really want to eliminate suspense in life, you, you need to lie to yourself and have other people lie to you. So it's you can't have both worlds. I guess, but they're going to know it's a lie immediately. <laughs> like I would resent someone doing that to me, saying I'm going to interview it because I would go prep for it and I'd be like calling former employees, like what am, what should I expect here and all this. I, I don't disagree with you in this particular. I don't actually like that solution. I mean, mm-hmm. more just threw it out as an example of how you could approach it and not create suspense. Yeah, uh, you're already creating suspense by saying, "Hey, we'll get back to you when you have that final interview." Right? They're waiting for this call. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How quickly are you making that call after? It depends. If we, as soon as we make a decision, we make the call. So sometimes I literally call them like while they're still in the building leaving. Um, Like I just go run in and talk to everyone. I'm like, that was a home run. Right. And everyone's like, yes. And I just call them immediately. But sometimes it's like we legitimately need to interview other people. What if you said, Hey, can you sit here for a second before they left? You mm-hmm. went and had the huddle and you got to yes. And you went back in and said, we'd like to make you an offer. I have done that once before. How'd it go? Um, I think really well. I, I It went really well, except I'll say that like the thing I want from an in-person, inter, uh, an in-per, in-person conversation is for them to have questions and for us to talk about stuff. It, this guy was just in shock. Cause he, I, I actually, he was applying for the fellowship and I gave him an internship. He wasn't even applying for this position. It was what he got was better. He was just like, like very close to literally speechless. So I guess he accepted not on the spot. Um, he didn't have any, there was no productive conversation after that. So I'm actually thinking, I like the idea of having this in-person conversation, but I think what I'm thinking is call, say you've got the offer. Let me come sell you on it. Basically. That's interesting. Invite, like basically say, Hey, don't say no. If you have mm-hmm. concerns, mm-hmm. just don't say, don't say no. Come talk to me about it. And if you decide not to take this, I'll I'll be completely understanding. But give us our uh, you know our best shot at at you know explaining why this is the great greatest place for you. Yeah. So I like that a lot. What do you think I say? And like I'm not good at sales, and this is effectively a sale. What do I what do I do in that conversation? Well, I think it's very situational, which is. Which is hard here, and you're so not you're talking, saying I have to be good I mean, at sales. <laughs> I would back up and say, like, listen, your problem isn't your acceptance rate. You need more applicants. You need more people running through your funnel. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you have seventy five percent acceptance rate. That's awesome. And in sales, a fifty percent close rate is awesome. You're beating that by twenty five percent. So, you know, at the end of the day, here, like, you you probably have very different situations of why people are saying no. They're probably not all the same, and 
you know, if I were, I guess it comes down to what are you selling? Yeah. Um, and if you're selling, Hey, I want you to be excited that you got an offer so that you, and, and I want, I'm, I want you to feel comfortable talking to me before you make a decision. And I'd like, and you're selling in person that's, you can always sell the next step, uh, which is, which is takes the pressure off of the, uh, you know, close, if you will, like say, yeah. you're not selling yes. At this point you're selling, talking about yes. I don't know. I, yeah. Well, so I have a question for you here because drawing the comparison with sales, like there's, there's this dynamic, I think, between sales and let's call it customer success or whoever's responsible for revenue and customer service after the sale is made. I think there's this dynamic that the the better a salesperson is at persuading people to say yes, the worse the job for customer service and customer success is because more people who are not a good fit say yes. So Maybe let me back up here. Should I, like, if we're at 75%, should I be saying those 25% that said no, they they saw the company, they met the people, they still said no, maybe maybe we don't want them to be here? Absolutely. But you don't know enough right now to know if that's true. So the best way to validate that is to gather data as to why they're making the decisions that they're making. Mm-hmm. If there's some people out there who you were like, man, I have a high amount of confidence that they missed out and we missed out, then it seems like this is worth putting some effort into improving. Uh, but, but again, yeah. I mean, you're at 75% acceptance rate, man. Like <laughs> maybe this energy would be better spent, you know, doubling the number of applicants you have. Well, we're, we're trying to do both. One reason I like that, like there's, we give so few offers. It's relatively, if it's like spend an extra hour on each one, that's not a major time commitment. Um, and these are your best ones. These are the best people. And like one good hire makes such a difference. Um, so yeah. So yeah, in person is is one. Um, I don't think I I generally I'm not a sale selling the clothes kind of guy. I like I'm a sell the process guy. So you know it's it's about having a good process that if people opt in to the next step, it's a qualification in and of itself. At this point, you're at the point where you've made an offer, um, and you want them to say yes. Uh, and right now, you're saying say yes or no, and and that's the end of your process. Right. So at the offer stage, you could, you know, extend that to a next step, which is come in the office and let's talk about what it would look like if you joined. Um, You know, but if you'd like to just say yes, say yes. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I I don't think the conversation's over yet, but let me recap what I've gotten from this. First of all, I should be asking for, for people who say no, why do you say no? For people who said yes, just overall feedback. What what were you maybe a little shaky on? What are some questions we could have answered? Like, no, no. I think I actually think you asked positive questions. Well, what, probably both. I think both. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when giving the offer as an extra step offer, like I I don't want to. Well, I, I could offer them to come down, but I think we give few enough that I could say I'll come out to you uh, if you want, and we can talk about this basically. Um, those all seem pretty, pretty doable, pretty low effort. Um, do you think there's anything in like what we send them in the offer letter that, eh, you, you yes, wouldn't know abso- about our, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I, so, um, I think, uh, I don't know what your offer letter looks like, but it's very transactional. Po- okay. I used to poo poo proposals at people keep, and then we had someone come in and just totally just make our offer our proposal awesome hmm. 
and it makes a difference. I don't know how much of a difference, but it increases the open rate uh, of people who it, it increases the digestion rate. So what they do what, to what make is, it so good? Well, it you know they they made it feel they focus on UX or the experience of reading it, um, and then we one thing we we focused on was total compensation. So you know a lot of people. A lot, a lot of offers are five pages long. They have a bunch of legalese in them. They're structured as a contract. Um, yeah, sure, you should have your employment contract, but if you could come up with like a really awesome, I, I kind of think of like these, you know, those great letters you see. Whenever you get a really great graphical letter, you ever read like uh, annual reports from Fortune 500 companies? And do you ever do no, this? No, but I, okay. I know what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's like usually a message letter from the CEO in the front and that it kind of, in a very simple way, summarizes what that CEO wants the rest, all the shareholders to understand mm-hmm. about the business. And it's like th- those two pages in the form of an offer letter that are very approachable and, and call out the key points to help the, you know, the candidate mm-hmm. understand the, the key questions about the job offer. How much am I going to get paid? What, you know, what are the benefits of working here? You know, mm-hmm. traditional benefits, not, you know, not uh, less annoying CRM special benefits, but like health insurance, dental, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, answering the question of stock options, mm-hmm. you know, a, you know, answering the question of, you know, why working at less annoying CRM is unique in its own right. And what you'd be giving up by saying no that you won't be able to get elsewhere, those types of things. Yeah. So this is kind of the the like there's an equivalent. We keep drawing this back to like how to market a product. And one thing I have learned, and I think a lot of people still get wrong, is when someone's on your sign up page, a lot of companies are like they're ready to sign up. They're like just have them sign up. And the reality is, you should keep selling them. And even after they sign up, you know, the first email you send them should keep selling them. And so the offer letter shouldn't say, well, we're done selling. It's time for them to say yes or no. It should be like, we're going to sell all the way up until they say no. Yeah. And we, we talked uh, a couple months ago about, um, or maybe a month ago about a, a manual using your employee manual or yeah. handbook to help with recruiting. The, the offer letter should be reinforcing those key messages that are, are the reasons that, you know, once people work with you for a couple months, they go, man, this place is so special. Yeah. And if, the, okay. and if the person, listen, if the person gets that offer and goes, man, this isn't for me and they say no, awesome. Right. If they're, if, yeah, if yeah. they're saying no for the right reasons, you don't want to. Yeah. We didn't want them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think, so personalizing it. So probably more like Emily's the one sending the offer, but having other employees reaching out, having the offer linked to the employee handbook, which has a lot of culture and, and communicates our values really well probably me personally reaching out either for an in-person or I could do the same thing you're saying other employees should do. Just send them an email and be like, it was, you know, here's an awesome, it was awesome meeting you. Here's a little detail specific to you. So, you know, this isn't boilerplate text basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I think we can improve that. Um, I, would, I would just kind of dub, like label this as highlight the differentiation. What, you know, that needs to be highlighted throughout the whole offer process, um, which I think that you're doing a pretty good job of, but mm-hmm. maybe c- cementing that with the offer would be great is like, this is real. Um, the other one um, is, uh, have you, do you have a start date negotiated prior to the offer 
Or is that normally? Happen? Yeah. Okay. Well, because with interns, we want them all to start at the same time so that because it's like a cohort of people. Mm-hmm. What about for the CRM coach? Uh, with that, we're we're normally like we will like here's the earliest we can take you, and there's flexible like that's normally a conversation. It's not negotiated in advance normally. No. You, after they accept the offer, it's a when can you start kind of thing. Yeah, we're it, it's pretty rare that we're very picky about when they start. Is it is do you have any reason to believe that start date could be influencing the acceptance rate right now? I don't think so. We hire so few full timers that. I'm trying to think the last time we had someone decline us for a full-time position was probably four years ago. Okay. Cause we give like one off, like we, we do this whole interview process. where like, this person's the perfect fit. We know they're going to say yes. One other thing uh, I've just brainstorming here is do you ask any questions pr- like maybe a week or two and during the interview process prior to getting to the, are we going to make an offer stage to sort of gauge whether or not if an offer was presented, they would say yes? We certainly don't. What I'm having trouble visualizing what you mean. I don't know. Uh, in sales, I don't know. There's a way to maybe before you say goodbye in your last interview to say, I mean, one very uh, blunt way to say it is, hey, uh, if we do make you an offer, would you say yes? Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. I know it does. Uh, they they is... have to say yes, though. The, do they? Well, I mean, if, I, if, if I'm if i being interviewed and you ask me that, I'd be like, yeah, of course. And, and, then, then, you say, me the, yeah. and then you'd say no after that? Yeah, potentially. Well, it, why would you say no to that? It's just sabotaging yourself. Well, maybe the question is the wrong question, but the idea here, I think that let's focus on the idea behind the question. Yeah. We want to know where they stand. I think the difference between this and sales though, is that in sales, the the customer ultimately has the power. And in this case, like there's this huge power imbalance in the other direction that I think makes it hard to ask questions and get an honest answer. I, I would love to have that information. That'd be great, but I don't know how to get it. Without being like really abusive, like you could just be like, tell me the truth. <laughs> I mean, this is one way to soften it might be. So Tyler, um, we're, we're at the, this is the last interview. After this interview, we're going to huddle and decide whether we're going to make you an offer. Um, we hate making offers and having unaddressed issues. Uh, so is there anything that we should talk about now that could cause you to say no to this offer um, if we decide to say yes? Yeah, that's interesting. So, so let me let me f- like frame frame that a little differently. Like you could imagine saying basically, if you're going to decline this offer anyway, you've got nothing to lose here. So, like if there's something that's been left unsaid, you've only got upside here to say it. Because otherwise, you know, it, you, you the, the opportunity's gone anyway. Uh, that that wasn't well articulated. But yeah, saying why would you lie to me about this if if you're going to say no anyway? And yeah. no matter just, I mean just their body language might tell you a lot. I mm-hmm. mean, it would it would certainly it would certainly give you more visibility into how the offer process will go and maybe you can change your tactics based on where that person is. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about the right way to actually do that. That has to come at the very end, I think, because anything before that and they'll be like, "Well, I don't know yet. Like I haven't gotten to the end." It's it's kind of like a hey we're about to 
make a decision. Uh, we, you know, after that, it's going to be this awkward thing where you feel like you have to say yes or no within a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else we should talk about? Yeah. Uh, you know, we should know you sh- that you want to know prior to starting that, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, I like that idea. So, um, great. I, I feel like we're, you know, we, we have more time if we want it. I feel like we've gotten a lot of good ideas. Um, should I, should we kind of go to takeaways here or do you have other thoughts you want to? I know. I know. I just, I wonder if there's, if, do you feel like you've gotten out of this what you want? Yeah, no, this is great. I, I love a conversation like this where there's tactical, tangible things and not just vague hand wavy things. So I'm probably gonna miss these all. One thing I love about the podcast, by the way, is I, every time you have one of these, you give me an idea, I'm inclined to go like write it down. I'm like, oh no, we're recording this. <laughs> I'll just go listen to this. Um, but so if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, like these are all like specific things I can do. Survey people after they either accept or reject to learn more. Um, have other people at the company reach out after we give an offer to encourage them to accept. Make the offer letter more personal and sell the benefits instead of just explain what the offer is. Offer for me personally to go out and meet them and talk about stuff after the offer. What we just talked about was um, asking them in the final round of the interview, is there anything we need to talk about here? It's the same question I ask in one-on-ones to try and get feedback from people, which is, one there's different ways to ask it, but what I the way I asked it most recently is if you're not working here five years from now, what's the most likely reason why? Right? I love it. I could just I could ask them if if you decline, what's the most likely reason? And then we can address that. Yeah, and I would just I would actually summarize that takeaway as before you stop the interview and move to offer mode, you spend some time with the candidate trying to pull concerns mm-hmm. out. Pull mm-hmm. anxieties out, pull, yeah. pull out what hasn't covered or may make them to say no. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, now I'll, I'll listen to this again and see if I miss anything. Did, did, can you remember us talking about any other takeaways? There's one, there's one I'd add and we didn't say this very eloquently prior. Um, and it's, listen, you have some really cool things about your company that, uh, people really get once they've worked there, you've got it outlined mostly in your, in your handbook, if you can just eject that messaging consistently throughout the process, starting with your, you know, automated email that gets sent when someone applies for a job and ending with how you present the offer and even what you're leaving on the, on the voicemail, I think just injecting and having that consistent messaging, uh, the differentiating messaging about less annoying CRM will go a long way in terms of just making sure people know they're, they're saying no, knowing what less annoying CRM is all about. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me wonder if I should like almost take a uh, like contrarian approach here and, and like basically when I give them the offer, be like, you could probably tell this, but this company is is different. It's not for everyone. You should really read this and make sure you like you understand this is the tribe you want to be a part of. Yes, that is the most powerful thing. Um, and when people say no to that, you'll never feel bad. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. I like that. And if it doesn't work, I'm sorry. If your accepted rate goes to 25%, I'm sorry. Well, it's super consistent with how we do normal business though. We don't sell our CRM like, oh, th- this is how amazing it is. Like it's a very, like we are less annoying. We don't really have any features anyone else has. We're just, you know, no one's it's excited a- about their CRM. <laughs> Either it's for you or it's not. And if it's right. not, that's okay with us. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, great. Well, yeah. Thanks for all those ideas. I hope anyone listening also 
you know, I think all of these could be applied almost everywhere. Um, I'm definitely going to go think about uh, probably like we have interviews tomorrow. I'm going to go do some of this tomorrow. So this is going to be really immediately helpful for me. So thanks. Yeah, one more note for me, and then I'll I'll sign us off. I I think one thing that you that is different about recruiting that I often take for granted, and maybe others do too, is the power imbalance. When you're the hiring manager, when you are the boss, when you are the CEO, whatever your title is, there is this very different thing that's unique to employing someone that you if you're unaware of it can cause some false signals. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so be you know being uber aware of how, the impact you're having on a person just due to that imbalance uh, goes a long way. And you're really, really good at that. Um, so anyway, I uh, uh, hope that was helpful, Tyler. Yeah, Thanks. definitely. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can join the conversation on this topic and review past topics by visiting startuptolast.com. If you have questions, contact us via Twitter um, or the website. Uh, we've actually um, gotten some new Twitter followers this week, last past week, which was kind of fun because I've had some uh, direct messages back and forth. So, you know, however you want to connect with us, we want more uh, engagement and hear your thoughts and ideas. Again, uh, that's startuptolast.com, and we'll see you next week. All right. See you.